Hello and welcome back to another episode of Nick Tiffany's Movie Reviews. Coming at you online and in print format at nicktiffany.com. Audio format wherever you get your podcasts and in video on YouTube. Today we are talking about easily what was one of my most anticipated films of the year. I think that goes for just about everybody. Anytime there's new Martin Scorsese, I think the world has something to celebrate. One of the last few cinematic wonders and treasures that we have who consistently fights for cinema, fights for art, and just creating and telling stories on a level that very, very few people operate on. Um, so, you know, he's only done a few movies since Wolf of Wall. I remember, you know, Wolf of Wall Street came out, I think, the uh, the second year that I really had kind of started getting into film criticism in high school. And so I remember leading up to that thinking like, wow, you know, this is going to be seen a lot of crazy, cool Scorsese movies. But that one was just on a whole other level, you know, probably one of my favorite DiCaprio performances, just what he was able to showcase, obviously, entertainment wise, keeps you engaged for three hours. But also you're like, wow, as great and as wonderful as all that looked, all these people ended up mostly in pretty bad positions you know nobody's a good guy very few people are good people in that movie and the only reason i bring wolf of wall street up now because since then he's made silence he did the irishman and now killers of the flower moon which we're going to be talking about today i'm only touching on wolf of wall street because for some reason the marketing for the movie i say for some reason i know why the marketing for the movie is using Wolf of Wall Street style music, editing, and whatever else to make this film maybe look more interesting than it is. And I only mean by that, that it's like some big entertaining, like funny, bombastic type movie like Wolf of Wall Street is, because it's not. It is not like that at all. I've seen the one trailer where they're trying to do the Kanye black skinhead style Wolf of Wall Street trailer edit. That's not this movie. And I'm glad I didn't watch that trailer until after I saw the movie because I think that probably would have played with some of my expectations perhaps going into it because I really knew next to nothing about this story. And it's ironic that this movie came out pretty much four years after the Watchmen HBO series started. And I'm touching on that because when Watchmen the TV series came out, Damon Lindelof and co shocked the country i'm gonna say because it starts out with the tulsa black wall street massacre first of all educating most of the people in the country on the fact that yes there was a black wall street there was a place here in oklahoma where black people had wealth they had possessions they had stores they had cars they had everything that you would think white people up north we're going to have and down in the south everything that good old white people had they had you've had people wearing wonderful looking suits i mean just standard things that any person should be able to own and whatnot obviously they had it and so many white people were envious thought you know no this is wrong you don't deserve to have this you are not even on the level of people that we are. And so they did something horrific and they bombed the city. They killed countless men, women, children, 
because they were black, because they had wealth, and because they wanted it. And I remember watching that first episode of the show, being floored, feeling like, wow, how did I not know about this, number one? How was this something that we weren't taught in high school? Obviously, we know why they didn't teach us this in high school, because we love to glaze over anything really bad that our country's ever really done. I, this is just, this is an unbiased fact, but, you know, having spent time in the North and the South of this country, on both sides, the consensus is, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of talk about a couple things that maybe weren't great, but no, it's rah-rah, the U.S. is the best, it's better here than it is anywhere else, so keep that in mind, keep that in mind, you know, as if that's like an excuse for some of the atrocities that we committed towards black people, towards Native Americans, in the name of, oh, well, this is our land now, or we want this, or I am better than you are because of my skin color because I'm more educated than you are, you know, so you should be subservient to me. And it's just horrific. And how Watchmen started in the ripple, I think it caused in the country at the time, especially educating people on what happened. That's exactly how I felt watching killers of the flower moon and learning about the Osage native Americans who'd already been pushed from Missouri. have already made their way again and again, finally finding their land in Oklahoma. They strike oil. I mean, it's not even something that they're looking to do, but oil starts coming out of the ground. And almost overnight, they become some of the wealthiest people in the entire country, in the entire world. I mean, oil, having it, having that land right, it's immeasurable the amount of money you can make. The resources are something this country needs, that our people need. And so instantly you've almost got another black wall street style scenario where you have native Americans, these Osage natives who have all of this wealth, who own their homes, who have cars and white drivers and white butlers and people preparing them food. They're not like some of them don't have to work because we've got wealth. So you know what? We'll let people come to us and we'll let other people work for us. We'll let the white men come in. Why don't you work out in the field and you work on those oil rigs? And unsurprisingly, once everybody heard about all the money and all the wealth out there, the white people started flocking in like vultures, trying to get them a piece. You know, whether it's going to work for some of the oil companies now that are setting up out there or people trying to find themselves someone to call a husband or wife and try to marry into these Native American families all so that they can get the headstone rights. And I'm not necessarily saying that was every single case, but all I'm saying is all these people only started popping up when the money was there. And so all of a sudden, you've got all these men coming out there trying to court a lot of these Native women. I mean, and it's just blatant. It's just blatantly obvious, but there's this other side too of, hey, you know, we would like to take a husband, we'd like to have children, you know, so we're not necessarily opposed to it. And so very early on, there's already this interesting dynamic of, all right, yes, you've got all of these Native American families, and then you've got some of these white husbands just kicking back and hanging out. They're like, I don't got to work anymore. You know, my wife's rich, so I'm just 
getting boozed up every day. And when I'm done getting boozed up, we'll go, I don't know, we'll go shooting. We'll do something, cause some trouble somewhere else. And that's kind of where our story begins. So Leonardo DiCaprio, God, who is just great at playing a real greasy POS sometimes. He plays Ernest Burkhardt comes back from the war and he moves out to the uh, the Osage lands there in Oklahoma because that's where his uncle, played by Robert De Niro, lives. His uncle, William Hale, they call him King King Hale because he, you know, he grew up out in these parts. He owns a ton of the land out there in the Osage and he himself is a friend to the Osage people, speaking their language, going so far as just taking care of many of the different families, grew up knowing tons of these people. And so if there was one white guy, if there was one white guy that they were like, hey, someone who is not insufferable, someone who's not here for horrible reasons, who took the time to learn our culture, to understand our traditions, to speak our language, it's him. And so Ernest comes and, you know, he's just like, wow, this place is incredible. And very, very early on, his uncle mentions, you know, hey, you'd be... uh, You'd be smart to find a bride while you're out here, you know? How do you like red women? And I just, uh, and again, like there are multiple times in this movie, like a lot of the historical films where people play, people say some pretty horrific things or just really hurtful or just outdated, awful stuff. Um, But it also really lends you early on to hear, okay, so this is how you talk about the Osage people behind your closed doors. And, and, you know, you'd be smart to find yourself uh, an Indian wife, you know. Those headstones are worth a lot of money, and if you could get the family involved in that, that's pretty good security. Like, you know, there's there's trophy husband, and then there's like, hey, marry Rich, try to trap her with a baby, and then you're going to get some rhyme. Like, it pretty much felt like I'm not saying this is a good plan, but if you were going to do a plan out here, Ernest, this would not be a bad way to go. And unsurprisingly, after driving this woman around for a while, Ernest falls in love with Molly. She's played by Lily Gladstone. And, you know, she kind of takes on to some of his uh, naivete, maybe his, uh, his humor, kind of a simple man. And, you know, she's like, hey, I need me a husband. If he's going to care for me, then so be it. And, you know, they do share some really tender moments. And I mean, Lily Gladstone in this film is just simply incredible. We'll get to that in just a sec here, though. But uh, basically, you know, you think everything's great. Ernest is integrating into this life here. And just kind of subtly in the background, every 10 or 20 minutes, there's a few more people, a few more Osage natives who have been killed and there's no investigation or it was suicide or, Oh, you know, it looked like it was just an accident. It looked like all these other things will brush it up to this. Well, sooner or later, you've got about 35 people who've been killed or died or, you know, took their own life. And things are just starting to get really scary for Molly as she's losing family. She's losing people in her community. She's known for forever. And so she's got to go out and try to get the help of the FBI to figure out, number one, what's happening? And number two, do you care enough about the natives who you've displaced so many times to come 
and help save our people and figure out what's happening here. And I don't really want to go too much more into the plot. This is a three and a half hour movie, so there's plenty that I could cover, but the film will take care of that. And just to touch on that runtime, I wish there was an intermission in the movie. If you're seeing it in the theaters, I wish there was an intermission. You know, Quentin Tarantino did one with The Hateful Eight, did the road show, 10-minute little intermission with Overture in the middle. Would have loved that. But it was not an issue sitting there for three and a half hours because as Scorsese said himself, you guys sit on a couch and spend all day binging TV shows and whatever. So yeah, you can sit for three and a half hours. And our whole theater did. So we were we were golden on that front. This film will be available to stream on Apple TV some point in the future. You know, this is another one where Apple took a big gamble and spent $200 million to produce this for Scorsese. So getting some theatrical revenue back is always a bonus before you throw it onto the streaming option. And I saw that Apple 999 bump for a uh, subscription price today too. So maybe that's a little, maybe that's playing into it a little bit, you know, earn a little back on that. But, uh, but no, for a three and a half hour film, don't think Wolf of Wall Street. I don't want to say it's a history lesson, but in a lot of ways, it really did feel like a really great history lesson. And you're learning about this time in our country. You're learning about this place. Specifically, I thought of Wind River and a few other shows or movies specifically in the sense that I like it was one quote or maybe it was like one of the uh, the information bits that they kind of tell you the end of the movie at the beginning of the movie of Wind River. But as far as missing people in this country goes, and as far as how underreported that is or not found or not solved some of these murders are, Native American women are at the top of that list. And it's been said before that, yes, you know, people don't care about women. People don't care about Native Americans. And then really people don't care about Native American women. And this story in a really in your face kind of way, I think reaffirms a lot of that. A lot's been kind of made and discussion about this film and how it portrays violence, especially towards the native American people. Um, Actual Osage tribe members have come out kind of sharing some of their thoughts on the film in support of it, but also, asking audiences to go deeper and understanding that this is obviously a white man's perspective of what happened. He's telling the story as best he can to put it in great terms for the audience, I think, and what he wants us to get out of it. This is a very personal and political film that Scorsese's done, I think, in a good, very good way. Uh, but some people have talked about how, you know, other Native Americans have said, hey, this is just senseless violence shown towards Native Americans played up for entertainment you know, they're laughing while they're killing people. It's just, it's just nothing good to reaffirm how people feel about Native Americans already. And I can totally understand that side of it as well. You know, me personally, all I can say is that informed by both sides and watching the film, um, you know, at no point does the film ever tell you or condone, hey, yeah, these are good guys. Even though they're the main characters, we like these guys. These are good people. It makes no mention of that there's no feeling like that's the case and the violence that you do see towards the native americans is horrific sometimes they are laughing sometimes it's so quick 
and just like an afterthought to some of these people that I mean, it's horrifying. It happens so quickly and so suddenly as death does in real life. Uh, but just the, the lack of care, the lack of thought for families, for people, for friends, for, Oh, you know, I just, some guy asked me to do it. So why not? He's going to pay me whatever. I mean, the, the casual nature of how people in this town are talking about, well, let's just kill her off. And then we can take their jewels. We'll go rob the grave and take some of that nice jewelry and whatever. It's just, it was disgusting. Um, and I think it was really effective in the sense that that's unfortunately probably what it was exactly like. There was no care for these women, for these people. You know, there was genuinely, they did not feel bad, these white people, about getting rid of these Native Americans. There was no remorse, no getting hung up on the fact that, oh, that guy was even kind of my buddy, you know? No, nothing like that. And so that's almost more horrifying in some ways than obviously seeing maybe a more dramatic portrayal of, of just how some of this betrayal felt or some of this nonsensical violence felt. Um, I mean, the performances in the movie top to bottom are all fantastic. De Niro more than ever, man, this guy is so frustratingly good at playing this mafioso like I'm going to smile at you but you're just, it's this shit grin and you know it's, there's moving pieces in the background. Maybe you don't know it all together yet. Maybe you don't have all the info, but you're just like, God, he's just, everything he says can be so intimidating and puts this thought in your spine. You like get this chill in your spine where you're like, I don't, what did he mean by that? Like, what is he talking about? What is he plotting or planning? And then DiCaprio's just a bumbling fool. And even though he's a fool, the movie never paints it so that, you know, he's not someone to feel bad for, you know, he's not someone who you're like, Oh, you know, maybe Ernest is just, he's in with the wrong crowd sometimes. No, I, I don't think there's anything like that. I've, I've seen some people who call the character maybe more interesting than he should be or more entertaining. It's like, no man, he was just a good guy. Maybe he just caught caught up in some bad stuff. No, uh, absolutely not. No. Um, which then leads us to Lily Gladstone, who, you know, for my money will probably earn an Academy Award nomination out of this. And I think rightfully so. A lot of her performance, especially towards the later end of the film, is a little less involved. Uh, it's not as prominent as it is at the beginning, but what she is able to communicate through just the most disheartening cries and screams, uh, the pain in her eyes that she feels when she's nonverbal. I mean, moments where she's sick, but just feels the weight of the world and this loss on her shoulders. It's just, it's heartbreaking. Um, and so throughout the entire film, I just, she, every time you cut back to her, oh, number one, you can't look away, but number two, you just, my stomach is just down. My throat was down in my stomach. There's the, the feeling, those long, gulps where you're like oh my gosh this is just i mean she is simply phenomenal in what she's able to communicate and how she's really able to help you feel everything the loss the weight of these situations that she's feeling it's just it's just incredible um this is a movie i know this this review is coming like a week after the movie's already been out uh, i meant to get to it sooner but 
I mean, day after day, there was just more and more about this movie that I'm looking up, that I'm discovering, that I'm going back and trying to find more about. Um, it just equally impresses and shocks me more and more. The, uh, the more that I get into the story and how it was told, I think the ending of the movie was a really, really incredible. And I don't want to say out of left field choice for Scorsese, but I did not see it coming. I did not picture the film ending the way it did. And I really thought it kind of hammered home a lot of themes too, especially just about how we consume some of this media when it comes to true crime or stories or actual people who went through horrific things. It's really sensationalized today, I think as well, just in terms of how we take these stories or so-and-so went missing or, you know, serial killers or everybody's favorite obsession. Everyone's like, I love serial killers and serial TV shows. You know, does that make me weird? Everybody says that though. So clearly everybody's fascinated by it. Um, but what Scorsese chooses to do and how he kind of addresses some of that and the entertainment that maybe we get out of it was really heavy. It really sticks with you. And this movie just leaves lots to discuss. And I think it's an important discussion. It's absolutely something again, where I'm like, how was this not in our freaking textbooks? And again, we know the reason why doesn't mean it's not something that pisses me off though, or pisses other people off because I would think that the best way to actually properly educate the people in your country is give them the good, bad and otherwise. Otherwise, we just think that our shit doesn't stink and everyone seems so surprised. We're like, well, what Well, what do you mean we were so bad to Native Americans and black people? Like, I, I mean, I read a couple pages about slavery in my textbook, but it didn't seem that bad. I mean, people saw Django Unchained and they're like, I, a phrase I always use with people is I'm like, I hate to relate this to movies because I see so many movies and there's so many scenarios where I'm like, I've seen a movie for that or what's happening right now totally happened in this movie. And so that is just something that like all the time I'm like, I feel like, okay, yeah, this is I'm like, I hate to, to bring a reference up for this or something, but I don't know. I mean, there's just, there's just such a lack of accountability, obviously in our country and just, this idea that, hey, I don't, it wasn't me who did this, so I don't know why you're telling me, or I don't know why I need to know. That's like, you do. Everybody's got to know. Everybody has to know so we can learn so this doesn't happen again. And so it doesn't seem crazy when you're like, well, why are these people fighting so hard for these rights? Why are these people complaining so much about, they got all this land, they've got casinos, they've got whatever. Like, man, educate yourselves. Educate yourselves. You have the power We've got more tools at our disposal than any generation ever, and it will only continue to grow. So see this movie, really take it in and process it, and have discussions about it. I think that's the best thing that can come out of this. Scorsese has done it again, but just in an entirely new way. Uh, the fact that he can reinvent the wheel as many times as he has is just incredibly impressive, and I just... I don't know how many more films we have from him, but if we get more like this, I think we're going to be incredibly lucky. As always, if you're looking for more movie news and reviews, be sure to tune into NT Movie Reviews on all podcast platforms, social media networks, and on YouTube. Thanks again for listening, you guys. and We'll see you next time.